Infra-Noir, the literary podcast from Zagava. La Gloria by Eric Stenner Carlson, read by Eric Stenner Carlson. Author's Note. I was inspired to write La Gloria over ten years ago while living through the flu epidemic in Argentina. Like today, I was quarantined with my family in our apartment. The streets were empty, the cinemas abandoned, there was a run on surgical masks and alcohol gel. These things are familiar to most of us by now. But in my story, I imagined something different. I imagined a new sort of flu, to which the excluded people of the world, those who were discriminated against and abandoned, were immune. I wondered what society, religion, government would look like turned on its head. I wondered how we would all be transformed, and if that would give us hope. Cruz trudged back up the stairs of the subway at Nueva de Julio Avenue. Great. No trains running this evening. Not enough engineers. First it was a protest, then the transport strike, and now this. Raining again, and he left his umbrella at the ministry. Shit. He turned up the collar of his trench coat. He'd quit smoking last month just to get his viral load down, and if he got a cold now, it was all wasted. July was the absolute worst month to be in Buenos Aires. He rolled up his sleeve a little and wiped the condensation from the face of his wristwatch. After 6 p.m. and the government had stopped the special bus service at 5, there was nothing else to do but walk. As he rolled his sleeve down, he saw the old tattoo on his wrist, La Gloria, fading green on his skin, as if the rain were making it run. He rubbed his thumb over the tap. He'd got it in a dingy basement in some dive in Constitución. He'd been so strung out, he hadn't even felt the puncture wounds. Didn't even know what it meant, La Gloria. Must have been Diego. Some private joke of his he didn't get a chance to share before he OD'd. As he passed under the obelisk and crisscrossed the empty Nueva de Julio, Cruz thought how quickly he'd gotten used to not seeing crowds anymore. Before, he'd have to dodge that murderous throng of taxis and buses and all those self-important business people coming and going from work in their fancy suits and ties. Now it was just a nice, easy stroll. He could do it with his eyes closed, but it was still cold. Up ahead near the corner of Santa Fe Avenue, he passed a smashed-in storefront. Milk cartons, cooking oil, and mate were scattered over the ground. The shop had graffiti sprayed all over it in red, AIDS is a gift from God. And then another message in green. Who do the SPCs think they are? And then another in blue. Boca Juniors is still the champion of the world. He stared at the red graffiti feeling empty inside. This shit's all over the city. It's God's gift like a Mother Teresa. Further down, he saw a couple of figures with sweatshirt hoods pulled down over their heads. They were slowly shuffling down the avenue, carrying a box of liquor between them. As he skirted them, their eyes blurry, sweat streaming down their faces, one of them looked up. Hey, I seen you before, one of the figures said, a frosty haze coming from his mouth. You one of them, ain't you? Cruz picked up his pace. They changed directions and tried to keep up with him, still struggling with the box between them. The figure shouted again, You tough guy? You think you're better than us? Why don't you stop so I can show you who's really tough? Breaking into a jog, Cruz called back over his shoulder. I'll make you a deal. Let's meet back here in a week. If you're still alive, you can give it your best shot. Right then, the cardboard box soaked through by the rain collapsed, sending bottles crashing onto the pavement, bits of broken glass shattering everywhere. I'll kill you, screamed the figure, 
as the two of them scrabbled over the bottles, trying to save what they could. Cruz slowed to a walk, continuing down the avenue, past the empty newspaper boxes, past the empty garbage bins. The rain started coming down harder, so he stepped under the awning of a store. The evening news was playing on a television in the middle of a display of electronic goods. Now that's determination, Cruz thought. Almost no one left to buy TVs, and they keep selling them. God bless capitalism. The sound was off, but there were subtitles. Two newspeople, a man and a woman, were reading from a teleprompter. They both had blue surgical masks over their mouths and noses, and their faces were pale and beaded with perspiration. Actually, Susanna, the subtitles for the man read, it's not as far-fetched as it sounds. Back in 1849, and the broadcaster began a long, hacking cough, almost doubling over on the desk in front of him. Then he stopped and corrected himself. Excuse me, back in 1949, Dr. J.B. Haldane, a British biologist, theorized that sickle cell anemia carriers had more resistance to malaria. Also, GB virus C carriers are known to have less severe cases of HIV and greater survival rates. So it's a medical fact that one disease can actually block another. It's just that no one could have predicted what would happen with this latest mutation of the swine flu. Then the man started coughing again and couldn't stop. The hacking cough continued, and the subtitles on the screen just showed a series of asterisks. The woman shuffled some papers in front of her and said, For our regular viewers, you'll recall Horacio and I were diagnosed two weeks ago, and that's why we volunteered to remain in the city. Here she began to cough, but she clenched the table and controlled herself, except for a thin thread of blood that trickled down her throat from under the mask. Given the rapid development of the flu, this is likely to be our last broadcast. This is Susana Cabrera and Horacio Gottlieb signing off for Channel 7 News from the sealed off station at Figueroa Street. For further health updates, please visit our website. And if there are any SBCs watching out there tonight, God bless you. You're the future. By the way the skin on her throat was moving quickly up and down, she looked like she was choking on her own phlegm, but Cruz couldn't tell because the sound was off. Then the screen went to the station's colors and the subtitle stopped. Just then Cruz noticed a taxi driving down the wrong way on Santa Fe Avenue, or what would have been the wrong way if there'd been any traffic cops, or traffic. It drew up to him and screeched to a stop. The taxi driver rolled down the window, a stocky, swarthy little man, you want a lift? he asked, in the sing-song accent of the northern provinces. Yeah, sure. What the hell, Cruz said. He got in and told the cab driver to drop him on the corner of Aguero. As he drove off, the taxi driver asked, Getting back from work, eh? Yep. Where at? Ministry of Justice. No shit. No shit. I bet you're high up there. Yeah, you're right. Just made me deputy minister yesterday. Well, they gotta retrain everyone and do it fast, said the cabbie. Or soon the only things that are gonna be open in Buenos Aires are the docks, hair salons, and bordellos. Chris grimaced, as the cabbie continued. As for myself, I'm on the list for the transportation minister's spot. Now that's a sweet job. Mm-hmm, Cruz nodded. The cab driver paused, then he said, So, you're SBC. Seropositive conversion, whoever thought up that acronym. It was bad enough when they used to call us carriers or sufferers, he thought. Even now they got to make us some stupid nickname for us. Is that obvious? Cruz asked. 
Yeah, well, the driver said, grinning from ear to ear. You ain't wearing no mask. And they figure you're going to live long enough to enjoy the promotion. Uh, how'd he get it? Let me guess. Not MSM, right? Nope. Well, you never know. I ain't judging or nothing because SBC's got to stick together, right? Uh, let me see, let me see. You're kind of gangly. Face is a bit gaunt, but nothing a few polyactic acid injections won't fix. Driver snapped his fingers. I do you, right? Yep. Guilty as charged. What was it? Heroin. 20 years, give or take a few years when I was trying to get clean. But I'm over it now. Shit, why am I even talking to him? That's awesome. I bet you got some stories. You bet I do. Myself, the cab driver said, slapping himself on the chest. I'm MMM. You must be proud. Damn right. But it wasn't easy at first. I can tell you that. Get this, as soon as my Bettina tested positive during first trimester, she divorced me. She wouldn't even let me see our kid when he was born. God, why doesn't he stop talking? Cruz thought. I was sleeping in my cab, hardly a penny to my name, and then this new swine flu hits, bam, and we're suddenly a hot commodity. Now you and me, if we stay healthy and keep off the booze and the smokes and the torta frita and all that shit that makes life so sweet, what we got left, 20, 30, 40 years if we stick to the RVs? Well, to one of those poor flu bastards, 20 more years looks like eternal life. Cruz thought of telling him to stop the cab and walking the rest of the way, but it was too cold outside. Then Bettina finally gets the cops to find me, the driver said, to send a message to thank me for saving her and the kid, because since they both got it, they're safe. You know what? Now she's begging me to have another kid with her, because with the new Land Reform Act, for every kid you got, you get a thousand hectares of land. If I keep this up one day, I'm going to own the whole province of Tucumán. Cruz couldn't take any longer. Man, just because you got, can't get the flu, don't make you a fucking hero. Ah, but that's where you're wrong, Mr. Justice Minister. I'm one of the biggest heroes this country's ever seen. One day I'm going to tie chains around the statue of General San Martin and hook him up to my taxi and tear it down. Then I'll put a statue of me in its place because I'm the new founding father and my kids are going to run this country. Then we'll see who gets remembered more. San Martin, the revolutionary hero, or Guillermo Alfredo Sacristán, the taxicab driver. Here, just stop the car to Guido. I can walk the rest of the way. What do I owe you? It's on the house. As he got out of the car, Cruz leaned in the driver's open window and said, Piss off. You know, the cab driver said, grinning. The next time you see me at a cabinet meeting, you might want to treat me with a little more respect. If you want my support for the president's new budget. Then he gunned the engine and made a screeching U-turn, speeding off the opposite way down Santa Fe. The wind picked up, and the rain was falling almost horizontal now. Cruz crossed the street and headed down Aguero. He passed by a little green mansion on the corner, with a high wall around the garden. The tall shutters were boarded up. Man, how many times I sat on those front steps and got wasted. I dreamed about that garden and having tea around a little white Victorian table with a bowl of pink roses in the middle of it. Me, having tea? What was that fantasy all about? Now if I wanted to with my housing coupons, it could all be mine. But what would I do with a garden? He approached the apartment building and felt the smooth sandstone face. For a moment he thought about wiggling the doorknob a bit and pushing back the bolt with a pencil, like he used to do. But he didn't want to upset her. So I rang the doorbell. A second later, the crackling voice came over the intercom. Yes? It's me, 
Grus, he said. Thank God, said the voice and buzzed him in. He walked up the three flights of steps, past the stained glass mural of an aquamarine peacock, half a story tall. Each feature, the head, the neck, the wings, the long, graceful plumage, was a separate square of cut glass. He always used to hate seeing that fucking bird, because it always meant coming home and getting a lecture. But now in the fading light, and with the raindrops beating shadows down on it from the outside, he looked different. He couldn't quite say how. He stopped in front of the large oak door with the brass number plates screwed onto it. He brushed the rain off his shoulders, pushed back his hair, and knocked. Immediately, a, a tall, thin woman wearing a surgical mask opened the door. Her pale eyes were more bloodshot now, and she lost a patch of hair on one side of her head, probably from the stress. He tried to smile the best he could and said, Hi, sis. The woman hugged him hard and for a long time. Thank you, thank you for coming, Cruz. You've no idea how much this means to me. Come in, she's in the kitchen. It's warmer in there. They walked arm in arm down the long hallway covered in black and yellow checkered tile. Then they turned to a little kitchen. The gas stove was on full of fiery blue and a kettle was boiling. At the small metal table sat a young girl, 14 years old, with long, dirty blonde hair. She was looking down at the floor. She also had on a surgical mask and wore pink rubber gloves. Say hello to your uncle, Alejandra. She looked up fleetingly at his eyes, then back down on the floor. Hello, Cruz. Hello, he said. And he took off his coat and sat down at the opposite end of the table from her. His sister brought them over a tea tray. Here, Cruz, I've got masas secas and tiny chocolate fajores. They're a little dry because they're a couple weeks old, but they're still good. And I've got two mates, one for me and one for you, and Alejandra can share... Um, I sterilize the metal straw so you don't have to worry, Ale. I told you, I'm not hungry, Mama. Then his sister said in a low voice, I told you, it's only polite. After all, your uncle's come a long way for this, and we should show him the respect he deserves. She made a little sound in her throat and turned her head away from them, stifling a cough. Look, sis, you don't have to do this for me. Nonsense, she said, patting him on the shoulder. It's the least I can do for my little brother. You're an important man now, in an important position. Alejandra's going to have to learn some manners if she's going to make it in this world. She put on some disposable gloves and began measuring the green mate into two cords. So tell me, Cruz, how many of, um, of you are there in the country? What, SPCs? He asked. Shit, even he was doing it now. The last estimate was 100,000, but, you know... Most people don't know their status, so we'll be carrying out mass testing and busing and everyone we can find at Buenos Aires. We gotta get organized, farm housing, drinking water, jobs. Then we'll get the pill a day for everyone who needs it as soon as production picks up. A hundred thousand out of forty-five million, she said, tears welling up in her eyes. Well, you know, Juan de Garay started the settlement in 1580 with only a few hundred men. And even by 1869, there were still less than 200,000 inhabitants in Buenos Aires. Stifling cough, she said, you've got farmers and teachers and lawyers, just like the first settlers, and half of you are women and children, right? Cruz nodded. Yeah, that's about right. Wiping away her tears with the back of her hand, she said, well, then there's no reason why you can't start again. In fact, I just heard on the radio the, the Americans are putting on all their aid in the sub-Saharan Africa. With 30 million SBCs, it's the best chance for the world's survival. Imagine that. Africa is going to be the cradle of civilization again. 
I'd have liked to have seen that. Then she burst out crying, gripping onto the sink with both hands and looking out the little window. Alejandra got up and tried to put her arms around her, but her mother shrieked and pushed her away with her elbows. Don't touch me! Don't you dare touch me! But Mama, you know you can't give me the flu by touching. I've got my mask and gloves on. I don't care! I don't care! You haven't gotten it yet, and I'm not going to take any chances. Then she took out a plastic bottle and started spraying down the counter of bleach. Now sit back down, she said, and we're going to have a nice tea. They sat in silence for a few minutes. Cruz and Alejandra passed the gourd between themselves, Alejandra sipping the metal straw under her mask. The sister didn't drink, but they filled the gourd every now and then with hot water from the kettle. No one touched the food. Cruz looked at his watch and said, Look, I don't mean to be rude, but I've got to get home soon. I need to prepare for a big meeting tomorrow. Could we could we do this now? Sure, sure, the sister said. I'm, I'm sorry. I know you have things to do. Just wait a minute while I bring the stuff in. She got up and cleared the table. Then she excused herself and left the kitchen. The gust of wind made the kitchen window rattle, and the rain was coming down harder now. Alejandra looked down at the floor, and Cruz started counting the handles on the kitchen cabinets. There were 17 in all. His sister came back with a metal tray and placed it on the table. On it there was a sealed syringe, a bottle of alcohol, some cotton balls, and a couple of rubber strips. Cruz, she said, would you please? Sure, he said. He got up and washed his hands in the sink. Then he sat back down and tied the rubber stripper on his arm, tying it off with his teeth. Then he tapped the rising vein like a bloated blue withworm. What I wouldn't have given her a vein like that a couple of years ago. He cleaned off his skin with a bit of alcohol, opened the sealed syringe and plunged the needle into his own arm. After he filled it, he set it back down on the tray and covered the needle with a plastic cap. He took off the rubber strip. Then he said to Alejandra, Okay, please give me your arm. Wait, his sister said. Before we do it, Cruz, I have something to tell you. About when you left, I never told you. Looking up at her, he said, Don't. There's nothing to say. I've got to, for my own sake. For my own soul's sake. No, you don't. His sister blurted out, It wasn't Mama who convinced Papa to kick you out. I was willing to give you another chance. It was me. I did it. I just come back from the church mission of Santiago Estero, and the two of them were screaming in the living room about you, really going at it. I'd never seen them like that. I pushed them apart and I shouted at them. I remember the exact words I used, den of iniquity. I said the bridge where you used to get high with your friends was a den of iniquity. They were dragging us down, that we had to cut ourselves off from you if we are going to survive. That was 20 years ago, Cruz said in a soft voice. She screamed at him, covering his eyes. It was yesterday! When I went off to college in the fall without thinking twice about you, I got a scholarship, I studied history, and I got married, and I had a baby, and I paid taxes, and I prayed every single night that she'd be healthy and good, and I was on the PTA at her school and on the banking committee, for Christ's sake. And she laughed hysterically. And now my worthless, drug addict brother is going to save my little baby. Still laughing, trembling all over, she said, You were right. When you were shooting up with your friends, you were saving all of us. And everything I've done in my life has been a complete waste of time. Look, sis, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I I didn't know what I was doing either. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what intentions are. If there's a God out there in a month's time, almost everyone who believes in him, I mean the old God, I, I don't know, the angry God, the Old Testament God. Oh, Christ, I'm not saying you don't have a God. It's just we're all going to be gone. Just And I know I don't have the right to ask you this. Clasping her hands together, she said, But just please take care of my baby. 
Treat her better than I treated you. Please, I'm begging you. He reached out for his sister's gloved hand and squeezed it. I promise. Now look, I really gotta go. Couldn't we just prick our fingers with pins? Asked Alejandro's voice, coming small from behind her mask. I, I really don't like syringes. No, he said. The most efficient way is a hollow injecting instrument straight into the vein. Okay, Alejandro said. Okay then, just do it. He cleaned her arm and tied it off. When he stuck the needle in, she winced. He pushed the plunger down and watched his blood emptying out into her vein. When it was over, he wiped the puncture wound with a swab and put a bandage on it. He got up, hugged his sister, and kissed her on the cheek. I'll make sure you get food coupons for this week. Alejandro will be eligible for more benefits once we're sure. Will I get it right away? Alejandro asked. Maybe, he said. We'll have to do a test in a couple weeks to make sure, but yeah, chances are you'll have it in a few days. As he buttoned up his coat, he saw Alejandra looking up at him with her bright hazel eyes. He could tell she was smiling. There it was, the crinkled skin at the edge of her eyes around the gauze mask. That was the first smile I'd seen in God only knows how long. And then it dawned on him, like the fantasy he'd had about the green mansion and the garden and the roses on the table. The freshness in her cheeks the promise of years to come, la gloria.